Welcome to Level Up Your Pharmacy Practice, a podcast you can tune into each week to learn about best practices, new technologies, and staffing resources to level up your pharmacy practice. In this week's conversation, Jake Galdo discusses with Randy McDonough, co-owner of Towncrest Pharmacy Corp., about how to bring empathy back into their practice. So Randy, as you know, I got a baby coming along in like five days, yeah. which is kind of creepy, kind of scary. Like, in fact, my wife is hospitalized right now as we're, we're monitoring everything. I don't have to be there, so we're good. I'm not ignoring my wife to do a podcast with you. But what's been jumping out to me is the lack of empathy in healthcare. And what specifically jumps out is she sent me a photo of her breakfast this morning. And just to, to give you an idea of what she's experiencing is she has to start calling the kitchen at 6.30 in the morning when they first open. She tends to be on hold for 10 to 20 minutes before she gets through. And today she ordered a high protein meal because she knows that she can eat like the bacon and sausage there and doesn't really like anything else. By the way, I've stocked her up. I take food deliveries every day, so she's (laughs) not starving. But she ordered bacon, sausage, and a biscuit. And she said, extra order of protein showed up today. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were two biscuits, one slice of bacon and a chopped up hot dog. That was her, her breakfast. It came by the way, two hours later. So it took two hours for that to arrive. And, and I'm sure that they said bon appetit as they delivered. And all we could think about was we know we're getting charged $120 for that meal. I've been to $120 meals. They're lovely and they are not that. And it, it's made me reflect a little bit upon, you know, burnout that we see in the healthcare system, but just this general vibe of a lack of empathy in healthcare. Like at what point did we look at that meal and say, this is what we should be feeding a sick person right now? Yeah. So that's my question to you, Randy, for us to start today. How do we redo empathy? How do we bring empathy back into healthcare? Yeah, that's a challenging question. It's a very complicated question because healthcare has been so profit-oriented, business-oriented, which we know that you have to generate profits, right? Um, No margins, no mission is what we always hear about. But when you start hitting things where the margins replace what you should be doing for a patient, that's when things go bad, go awry. And so with your wife's breakfast, for example, I mean, was that quality? No. In fact, we would say that was very low quality. And it wasn't just the product that was low quality, but it was the service that was behind the product as well, too. So I think about in pharmacy, all the things that are happening, you know, over the weekend, you read about 900 CVS pharmacies being closed. Okay, we could think of that, well, geez, that's further contraction of the pharmacy profession. I think about the human beings who are going to lose their jobs and what's going to happen to those individuals. And I say that because back in 2013, when we saw the floor drop from under us with the PBM um, activity in the state of Iowa, I literally thought I was going to lose my practice, which is my livelihood, right? And the sad thing was, no one really wanted to listen to it because, you know, it's that old saying, when, when you laugh, the whole world laughs with you. When you cry, you cry alone. 
no one really wanted to, you know, you start figuring out who your good friends are because they're the ones who just know that you just had to talk and they had to listen. But there's a lot of people who didn't want to do that. You thought were good friends. And so when I think about what's happening in pharmacy in particular, as we talk about lack of empathy in healthcare, and it's happening to other providers too. I read also in the Wall Street Journal about a LASIK surgery company that physicians are quitting because it, again, they're putting profits over patient care. So it's not just pharmacy, it's happening across the board. We got to get back to where payment for services is about the quality of care. And as we talk about metrics, right? That's why I believe in what we're talking, doing so much is because it has to be about patient care and how good of patient care you're provided. And I think if you do that, all of a sudden you change the way we look at what we do. So instead of saying in pharmacy, we got to dispense as many prescriptions as fast as we possibly can because we're getting paid nothing you know, for dispensing the product and we don't get paid for patient care. Yet you got pharmacists who went to school to be a care provider. And so it's not that they don't have the empathy, a lot of them, it's just that they don't have the chance to display the empathy because of the work conditions that they're in. So I think we have to change the way we look at healthcare and that it's about patient care and start reimbursing and recognizing those providers who are at a higher level of care. Then that changes the workflow, that changes the work conditions. Then it gets back to that individual human being, pharmacist or the physician or other healthcare provider who can now take the time in a reasonable amount of time, as I, you know, as I say that, you still got to be efficient with your time, but who can take the time to really listen to the patient hear what they say. We always say that someone who has empathy not only hears the message, but feels the message. And again, they can put themselves within that person's shoes, right? They know how that person feels. We don't have time to do that. And so it's very, it's a very surface type of relationship that we have with patients because of the way the business model has been constructed. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost speechless in a way trying to think about like, what we can do differently or how we can do stuff differently. And I think you've touched upon a lot of really good points. You know, when I think about the CVS's closing, part of it, I think, is that they might not have enough staff at those stores. So I love that you focused on the, the employees. My thought was they didn't have enough employees to begin with, and that's why they were contracting a little bit. But, you know, this, this idea of a lack of empathy in healthcare and what's going on, it, it's interesting to me taking it back to quality and back to the financial model, you know, Amazon right now offers six months of medications for $6. That's it. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think anyone's going to be able to beat that. They, they just can't. And then we talk about how some grocery stores offer free antibiotics or free medications for diabetes. All of a sudden we are causing healthcare to be a loss leader. And this just blows my mind. Why are we doing a loss leader in healthcare? specifically drugs, even though we hear all of this stuff around drugs and drugs are bad, drugs are expensive, bad drugs, bad drugs, they only account for 9% of total healthcare cost. That's not a lot. And in fact, it's typically what, like $300 billion or something like that, maybe a little bit more. There was a recent article in JAMA and the administrative burden of healthcare is close to a trillion dollars. We spend almost three times as much money on the administration of healthcare, less on the drugs. So is that part of the story? Is there something to be said about us saying, you know, you should pay more for drugs because drugs have benefits, that's why they're used. 
and they can drive down all this other cost. So instead of thinking about medications as a loss leader, we should almost look at them as like an investment center for better outcomes and better care. Yeah, I was always taught in, in school, in pharmacy school, in our pharmacy socioeconomics courses, that drug therapy is the most cost-effective way that we can take care of patients and help them achieve outcomes. If you think about a procedure that a patient might have to have, that's very costly to the system. Yet, if they can take a medication that prevents them from having to even get to that point of having a procedure or getting hospitalized, it's a very cost-effective way to treat patients. How we got to the point where people have made the product just the product and not the care behind the product is something that is almost the history of pharmacy. And I think we've talked about this before, but we had the chance back when Medicare was you know, being created to be a provider and pharmacy didn't do it because they saw that they can make more money on the product. Well, that was short-sightedness on, on the part of the profession. So now how do we get that back? Because, you know, we realize, and pharmacy has changed too. Back then it was probably more apothecarist and, and you know, individual owned community pharmacies. Now we're not there and, and clinical pharmacy has really evolved and it has evolved not just in a hospital-based system or health-based system, nor in AmCare setting, but also in community pharmacy setting, where these pharmacists have been trained and educated to provide this care of patients. And they want to do that. They want to provide that care. I read another thing. It was a Facebook post, and it was a pharmacist who's in the AmCare setting. Very reputable. Huh? Very reputable. That's right, yeah. But it was just interesting. It was a story about a pharmacist who said they had a patient who had a specialty medication. This pharmacist was not involved in the specialty aspects of the pharmacy, but the patient literally told them they couldn't afford it, and they said they've been told their hands are tied. There's nothing else that can be done. So the pharmacist took the time to spend and help them find if they could get help or aid, and they did. And so the point where they were able to get the medication without you know, a huge cost to that patient, and the pharmacist was making the claim that, you know, this is what pharmacists should be doing. We should be able to have the time to provide this level of care for patients because it did take time, but the outcome was fantastic, right? It helped the patient. Now the patient's able to get access to a, a medication that they need. Our pharmacist out there right now, and it's not, it's everywhere, Jake. I mean, it's, we feel it too at Towncrest Pharmacy, although we're, we've shifted to the patient care. It's just, we still, because the reimbursement's not there, we got to do as many as we possibly can, whether that be immunizations or doing MTMs or some kind of medication review, because we're, we're reimbursed based upon how much we do, but we're also getting bonuses based upon the quality. So you can't shirk it too much, Right because you are getting reimbursed on the quality of it with some of the health plans that are out there. Again, I think as we shift the thought, and I do think it will happen, you know, we, we're moving into a value-based reimbursement system. Unfortunately, that's what they say, but we're not there yet because of the way you see what's happening in pharmacy, preferred providers are not based upon quality. It's a base who's gonna do the cheapest, take the cheapest contract, right? And so that's just further fuels the fire of this business model that does not allow for people to take the time to spend with patients. That's what needs to be broken. And the government, I, I just can't understand how, you know, our Congress and, and our government doesn't see that because, you know, they have to be experiencing this too, unless they're able to do it because they don't see, you know, they don't have the same situations financially. So they maybe can have more of a concierge type of a practice they can go to. 
but the common person out there is frustrated. The patient's frustrated. The healthcare providers are frustrated. The whole system is frustrated. And it continues to go on day after day after day in this frustration. To me, it has to, it's just going to have, it's going to implode upon itself at some point. And we totally have to disrupt the whole healthcare system. Look, Randy, I'm about to go to the streets. I have to pay $5 for parking to visit my wife in the hospital. Who's supposed to pay for parking in the hospital? Like they told us she's there for a week or so. They told us that they will give us a $6 credit the day our daughter arrives. <laughs> Thank goodness that I'm going to get a $6 credit yeah. after a week. Uh, so I think you're right. We have to disrupt. We, <laughs> right. Well, I tell you, even at the university, you know, where I'm at my university system, it's a great university system, but I feel sorry for the person who has to park in, you know, one of five, six different ramps and figure out the maze of how they're supposed to get to where they're at. And it's very scary. I don't know how many times I've been stopped on the street when I was by the College of Pharmacy by an older individual who doesn't know which way, which way is even the hospital. <laughs> they parked at the ramp and they didn't even know how you know, to get there. And I, I understand it. I mean, I'm glad that I know the system because I kind of grew up with the system, but I've been to other hospital systems where you drive into a ramp and you're trying to figure out where the heck am I going to go? And you're right. And then you're charged outrageous fees. And $5 to me is not too bad. Maybe you got a good rate there, <laughs> but you're right. I, I don't know. I think they're, they're, they're I, I keep switching cars. They probably don't know it's really me. Yeah. But I think that that's the thing. And to your point about Congress and others, it could be that we're missing out again on empathy, right? I now I started today's conversation with, I think something needs to change because the food my wife is getting, or I'm getting charged for parking. It's that level of empathy for that care that we receive. And I think you're right. The solution is that we have to disrupt and start to evaluate and judge the quality differently, which, you know, there are a lot of initiatives going in that direction to help us, but it's not overnight, even though it needs to be overnight. So we're pushing for that. And so to bring this back to maybe some of our pharmacy listeners, for them to understand how to transform their practice or level up or change, I kind of want to end this dialogue with a challenge back to you, Randy, and to, to everyone listening. I started today's conversation by saying, this is what annoys me with the health system. It was the food and the, and the cost of parking, amongst other things, but we're going to stick with that. So in your current practice at Towncrest, if you were a patient, what would bother you such that you can change that? And is this going to be empiric data? So have you surveyed your patients or is this a gut instinct data? I would say we created a practice that we realized that the patient needs to come first um, every single time. We, we've talked about how we created an environment called Make Every Encounter Counts. When that patient's there, we try to make sure we do our due diligence working with the patient to identify and resolve any medication-related problems. We do survey our patients. We have to for the accreditation um, that we're going through. And what we get back are very positive remarks. And I would say that we have a good reputation because we are very patient-oriented. And I won't mention the, the pharmacy's name that a competitor, but they've actually have limited their hours because of a lot of different things of COVID-19, including lack of help that they have. And so not, not only do you not be able to go into the pharmacy, but they have to go through the drive-through and over a certain amount of time. So it's been limited how much they can even, you know, um, how frustrating could that be, you know, to the patient and to the pharmacist? We make it very clear that our pharmacists are readily available. So we've done that. Jake, as you know, by making the changes within our pharmacy, one of the biggest changes I made, which 
made a lot of people, you know, look, take a second look, and that is having Slack resources, having that extra pharmacist or that extra technician available for those times when we have a more complex case so that we have the ability to take care of patients, whether it's the patient who just needs to get a flu shot quickly, um, get a medication refill, or someone who needs us to sit down and talk to them about an issue that they're having with their medications. So we've done that, and but we've also done it to the point where we have a new business model so that we're getting reimbursed in a variety of different ways through the services that we provide so we can take that time to do that. So we, we changed the format of how we practice. We, changed, we transformed it so that it's always focused on the patient, and that has done a variety of things. One, it's made a place that's been enjoyable for our pharmacists to work at and our technicians to work at. We don't have a lot of turnover. If we have turnover, it's because someone's moved or is moving. And we feel like our pharmacists, they tell us that they're professionally satisfied because they get to practice to the level of their uh, license and the technicians get to practice at the level of their training. And we've got the tech check tech and other models that really emphasizes how important the technician is to us. The pharmacists get to focus on how do they help patients optimize their medications, regardless if they're in the um, dispensing system or they're over in the clinic. All of them are expected that that's what they do and they have the time because they have the resources, including the Slack resources to help them with that. So that's how I think we have to make that change is you have to look at your practice, but the challenge is, Jake, I can make that decision because I own it. And we don't have that situation for those colleagues that such as you know, the CVS and the closing of their 900 stores, what happens to those employees? And so they may see that we got to make some change, but if they don't have uh, the higher ups um, to help them to create that change, that's the challenge. So the question is, how do we change how pharmacy is viewed? How do we change how pharmacy is reimbursed? Because that will cause everyone to go after that model. That's why this transformation of the business model of pharmacy has got to happen and that pharmacists are recognized for the value of care they provide for helping patients achieve a therapeutic outcome with safe and effective medications. And we got to keep hitting that and hitting that because that will transform everything from there. I love it. To quote David Pope, who did Creative Pharmacist, you know, it was a very innovative idea, but I was really excited and it's done wonders for, for the profession and enhancing patient care. And, you know, used to work with David. Where did you come up with this idea? And he said, oh, I just stole it from church. Probably the best <laughs> answer ever, right? Yeah. His kids were in church. They had a kind of turnkey Bible study. And he's like, we could do this for diabetes and then ran with it. Yeah. And so I think the, the overarching message here is we might be burned out. We might be losing our empathy. Go experience being a patient at your pharmacy or other pharmacies so you understand what it's like and think about what bothers you and then change that in your day-to-day -day practice. Yeah. And I tell you, right? Jake, I think that's the takeaway. Yep. And one last thing I'll, I'll leave you with is this. I had a patient that came up to me um, when her husband was diagnosed with cancer and he was having problems with controlling his pain. And she came to me and she goes, I'd like you to do a review of the medications. And they asked, I'd be happy to do that. She goes, you know, I transferred to this pharmacy because of you. I transferred because of what you can do to help us. And you helped me out tremendously. Now my husband needs your help. I can tell you from a professional satisfaction perspective, there's nothing that feels better, right? So all the negative things that maybe hit me that day, 
is that one experience where someone tells me how deeply they appreciate and pharmacists in all settings get that. And so you have to hold on to those, right? And, and get through the rest of the day when you're not getting those kind of things. But realize that everybody you're meeting and greeting and working with, you're impacting them in some way. Now the question is, can you take it to this the next level where it's not a rush job to get them in and out, but you actually spend the time to care for them? I love it. Well, thank you, Randy, for uh, another really invigorating and insightful conversation. And I look forward to our next one. Sounds good. Thanks, Jake. The circumstances within healthcare, especially in pharmacy, are trying to meet high demands. Systems are short-staffed and struggling to maintain their business. Pharmacists are unable to display patient care with empathy as well as they are overworked and feeling depleted. Healthcare systems need to be disrupted in order to change what is happening. Our healthcare systems are going down a path that cannot be sustained. Place yourself in your patient's shoes. How would you view your practice? Start making changes now and return your focus on empathy within your patient care.